It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. Nation, welcome into yet another edition of the Raging Cajun Army. I am your host, Matt Miguez, and I don't know if you can hear the excitement in my voice, but we're going to have a little math lesson, math lesson real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Count them. Ten wins for Louisiana beating ULM 31-30 to last night. A wild ending as it always is. Jerry Bear's on the line. We're going to talk about it. Jerry, what's up, man? Ah, oh, doing good, man. Just uh, recovering from yesterday. It was a fun day overall. Uh, it was nice to get that 10th win, break a new school record. Um, I, I just, I keep reminiscing as a, as a kid when I was about eight, nine years old and just going through some really rough seasons. Um, you know, one and ten, two and nine, three and eight, three and nine, and being able to just enjoy what we saw last night to finally get that tenth win, and and just realize how far we've come as a program in the in these past few decades, and just knowing that the future is still bright. Um, just a great time to be a Cajun. Yeah. Great time to be a Cajun. Yeah, it's definitely been a turbulent turbulent time in the Vermilion and White. Uh, you know, this was the this is the best record we've had since. I want to say it was '76, correct? That they went yes. that we went nine and two. That is correct, nine and two. Yes. Okay, and then you know this is the best record we've had recently since 2014, when we had the four-year stretch of going nine and four. That's correct. Yes. Now, you know, I I didn't get to make it to the game. You know, the the beautiful ideas of of car trouble held me <laughs> held me out of town. But Jerry, you know what? What was the atmosphere like? What was the just just what was the overall feel at the uh, at Cajun Field last night? Well, I know this whole week we've been talking about attendance uh, or the lack thereof. Um, obviously, last night wasn't much better as far as the numbers go. But um, as far as the enthusiasm, as far as the home crowd or the home field advantage. For those 14,227 people that were there, it, it was loud, uh, especially in that last minute of the game when uh, ULM was driving downfield. It sounded like instead of 14,000 that there were twenty four to 34,000 people there. I mean, it was rocking. The fans were really into it. Um, you know, there was not a single person sitting down in that last minute. And whenever they missed the field goal, I mean, that crowd just roared. And... Um, it was awesome to see a lot of the fans stayed after the game whenever, you know, when the team goes and um, sings the fight song with the pride of a kitty and a marching band, not many people left. A lot of people stayed for that as well, just to kind of revel in the moment and enjoy the moment. And um, it was a, it was a great atmosphere, even with the low attendance. Uh, I was very impressed. And um, we were all, all of us were, were on the edge of our seats until that final whistle blew. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you this. I was I was pacing around the TV when uh when ULM lined up for that last field goal. I I couldn't sit down. That's for sure. Now, you know, we'll we'll look at the scoring summary here, and you know, right off the bat, Cajuns got the ball, and um, they actually ULM got the ball to start the game, and the Cajuns put up a stop on D, and then Levi Lewis led the offense on a quick four-play, forty-yard drive, and then hit Jamal Bell on a thirty-six-yard touchdown pass, and you know, right there out of the gate, it kind of looked like Louisiana was just going to put the pedal to the metal. You know, for the for the entire game. Yeah, um, I, I was very impressed with the fact that they were able to score right off the bat like that. Um, and I think it was a fourth down play. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like a fourth and, and three or something like that. Yeah, and this was coming off of a, of an interception uh, by Braylon Trahom on the first drive, where Monroe looked like they were driving and came to a complete stop whenever they went for it on fourth down, I think around like the 25 or 30 yard line. I can't remember, but, um, you know, it was picked off. Uh, Caleb Evans threw an interception. It was picked off and returned all the way to about the 40, mm-hmm. uh, or the Monroe 40. And even on fourth down, it looked like, I think they, they, they went, the Cajuns went for it. And I mean, it was just a perfect passing stride to Jamal Bell right down the, right down the seam. And Bell just basically just scampered his way into the end zone. And, um, I mean, I was telling my wife, um, like, man, this could be this could be a, a barn burner. This could be a, 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 a butt whipping early on. But sure enough, you know, ULM being ULM, um, like I said last week, every time they come to Cajun Field, you can throw the records out the window. It doesn't matter. Somehow they always play the Cajuns close, and they continued that trend last night. Uh, they they uh, they definitely competed to the final whistle. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> I thought the game was out of reach even after the first touchdown drive because I'm thinking, okay, if they're going to move the ball like this, right. it's going to be Troy all over again. Right, and you know, I, I was kind of thinking the same way, but seven minutes later, Caleb Evans runs it in from 19 yards out, and he just his entire career up in Monroe, he has been electric with both his arms and his legs. Uh, and you know, in in recent history, the Cajuns have had a lot of trouble. Against Caleb Evans, I can remember two years ago he ran for five touchdowns on the Cajuns' defense. Um, so at the end of the first quarter, it was seven to seven. UL would open the second quarter with a with a seven play, ninety nine yard drive, and that beautiful strike from Levi Lewis to Jamarcus Bradley for a forty two yard touchdown. Jerry, what what did you see? Um, from, you know from the from the stadium angle. During during that drive, well, they, they the Cajuns had a balanced attack on that drive. I mean, the first play was a nice pass to, uh, to Peter LeBlanc um, out in the scene. Uh, I'm sorry, out in the flat, and that kind of kicked things off where they were able to kind of keep that momentum going. Um, and like I said, I mean, they they really kept it balanced. Elijah Mitchell got a few touches. They had a 16 yard run followed by uh, a 10 yard pass to Khalif Gossett. Uh, in the flat once again. And then, I mean, it, it, then, of course, Levi kept it a few times, and then he was able to get that pass off to Jamarcus Bradley for 42 yards. I mean, it was a that was one of those drives that it, it, it was a typical Cajun drive where they were able to attack on the ground as well as complete some nice passes in the flat. And it was a very fast, it was a very fast-moving drive as well. Yeah. Um, 
but they, man, he hit he hit Jamarcus Bradley down the seam wide open. I couldn't tell if it was blown coverage or not, but I mean, literally, Jamarcus Bradley could have just walked into the end zone from like twenty yards out. He was so open, and no one was around him. And then you know, again, about eight minutes later. Caleb Evans responds with a 47-yard touchdown pass to Josh Peterson. Now, Josh Peterson has been a staple in the ULM offense for three or four years now. I can't remember if he's a junior or a senior. And then, you know, another interesting fact about Peterson, he's the son of Philadelphia Eagles head coach and former ULM quarterback Doug Peterson. Sure. Um. So yeah, the the forty seven yard touchdown pass made it fourteen to fourteen. Obviously, the Cajuns would answer right there at the end of the half with Raymond Calais, an eighty three yard touchdown run. I mean, th- this guy he's been doing it all year long. Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, I've covered him in Sicilia, and I already knew he was fast. <laughs> it's ironic. There's no better person to give the ball to hand the ball off to, especially when you have around I don't know about 40 seconds left in the first half. You're on your own what 20 yard line, I believe it was 17, um, 15 yard line, and you would think, okay, you're going to give it to Raymond. Maybe Ray could get you know about 20, 25 yards with his speed, but I mean, the second he hit that hole and hit that second level, he was gone. Yeah. I mean that burst of speed. I mean just. With the second I saw him outrun the secondary, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to score. Like, nobody's going to touch him. And sure enough, he did just that untouched. Untouched. I mean, that's just how fast he is. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like I said, he's been doing it all year. I love when I'm when I'm tweeting the games. I, I've, been, I've been doing this since, you know, the podcast started. Anytime Raymond scores, when I do a tweet, I say, touchdown Louisiana. And then at the after I say that, I put, mama, there goes that man. Yeah. Exactly. And, I've, and I've been saying it since he since, since the podcast has started because every time he scores, it seems like he's pulling away with his speed. I I mean, look, he's he's done that all season long. And the thing about Raymond Colley, if you don't touch him, and if, if that front seven can't doesn't touch him or put a hand on him to where you can stop his speed, he, most of the time he, he's pretty much going to burn you. Yeah. Um, up the field, and that's exactly what happened last night on that touchdown run, which yeah. was beautiful, by the way. Yeah, nice. No, no doubt. And, you know, the first half ends a 21 to 14 advantage for the Cajuns, but you know, ULM. Obviously, you know, we talk about how well they play when they come to Cajun Field. They never go away quietly. Caleb Evans again throwing a 40 yard strike to Jonathan Hodo with about eight minutes left in the third to tie the game up. And, you know, right there was kind of when I knew that it was going to go down to the wire. Yeah, well, you knew that they, well, first of all, uh, give credit to ULM. Their defense actually didn't do a bad job last night. They they actually halted a few of the Cajun drives, and they just, like you said, they just kept playing catch-up. They would not go away. Uh, and, even at, they, It was just a typical ULM and, and, and Lafayette. And occasion field every time. And, and you know, the, the next comment I'm going to make is a, is a testament to our offense. You know, we, we're saying that ULM's defense didn't do a bad job last night. But keep in mind that the Cajuns still racked up 522 yards of total offense. They did. No, they, they did. And I'm not saying that as a, oh my gosh, they held them. But at the same time, you know, a few times they got to Levi Lewis. I thought they contained the run a lot better than what we're used to seeing. Um, 
the main thing with the Cajuns is that they were able to extend drives on third down. Uh, that's one thing that stuck out to me. Well, no, I take that back. They, yeah, you know, they, they extend the drives on fourth they, down. Yeah, a lot of that's what I was going to say. A lot of their drives were extended on fourth down. I noticed with the wind blowing last night, it looked like Coach Napier yeah. didn't really. And, and you know, I, I've, I've read a lot of people giving Napier heat for going forward on fourth down, you know, four times. But, you know, I, I think the biggest thing was the wind and, you know, the the field goal unit. Although Stevie has been solid over the last couple of weeks, looking at the season as a whole, the field goal unit has been fairly rocky. Um, so taking that into to consideration, taking the wind into consideration, you know, I, I think the I think the better decision last night was to was to try and get it on fourth down. Um, I don't agree with the one where it was like fourth and nine from the fifty. Right. Uh, I, I didn't agree with going for it on, on that call. I think Reese Burns should have came out and punted it. But, uh, you know, they're, I'm not getting paid $800,000 to coach. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm always the guy that says, you know, I'd, I might not agree with it, but I'm going to trust what he decides because he's the one that's getting paid. Yeah, no doubt, and, and I think look, they these coaches. I mean, they take. I mean, it's it's crazy because when you really think about it, they go almost six or seven days straight preparing for just a sixty minute game. So they see the ins and outs, they see these things, and it just helps them determine how to how to manage a game. Um, I guess that's the crucial that's the crucial part of preparation, right? You yep. have to you have to focus on the little things and be extremely detailed, and that's one thing that makes Billy Napier Billy Napier. He's very analytical. He, um, you know, he nick he nitpicks at the little things, but it's it's the little things that add up to greater results, and that's one thing that he's done a good job of doing. And if he goes for on fourth down, there's something he might see that's or something he might have seen in his preparation with his coaching staff to say, hey, why not take a chance? Let's see what happens. And luckily, they rolled the dice a few times last night, and it was successful. But it doesn't change the fact that, that as a fan, I still don't want to, you know, like have a heart attack right. watching it. Right, and you know we we talked about the Caleb Evans touchdown pass to Jonathan Hodo. Two minutes and forty three seconds later, Louisiana answers a five play seventy five yard drive. This was the drive where Levi was was scrambling on fourth down right there at the end zone, couldn't really find an open receiver, and then finally freshman Peter LeBlanc gets his way open in the back corner, and Levi throws a dagger right in the right in the chest to make it twenty eight twenty one Louisiana. About five minutes left in the third. So now, you know, again, you're up a touchdown. You're at home. You're obviously the better team for the season. Correct. But it's a, it's a rivalry game. Like 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 we said, you, you can't you can't look at the records, you can't look at the at the stats from previous games. That's all out the window. Um did what were what were you thinking? At that point, you know, seven-point lead for the Cajuns with about five minutes left in the third quarter. Well, uh, first of all, I actually, um, Kayla and I actually had the chance to go up into the suite uh, with the Domang family. Um, and uh, Peter LeBlanc is Mr. Ed, Ed Ricky Domang's grandson. So, of course, we got to hang out with Peter's family when he scored that touchdown. So that was awesome. Um, we've gotten to know them really well. And uh, I watched Peter grow up. So, of course, it was great to see you know what, uh, what 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 Peter has done so far here uh how he's been able to come in and play a huge role uh in that offense as a freshman a true freshman for that matter and uh to see him score that touchdown I couldn't have been happy for him his family and he's really become an anchor on this offensive uh or as a skilled player with this offense 
And um, well, first of all, what, what what concerned me on that drive though before that touchdown pass was we had first and goal from like the one or two and ran three straight run plays and couldn't score. Yep. That was that was a little concerning to me. And I guess in a game like this, like you said, it's a I mean I don't know I the R the R word a rivalry game, but you know it's just one of those situations where you have to go. I guess. Billy Napier felt he had to go all in and went for it, and I knew it was going to be a pass play. But man, the 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 concentration on on, on Peter's part, he had a he had a, a cornerback right in his face, right, and still was able to make the grab. I mean, I told I was telling his family after the play, as ecstatic as we were, I said, you know, Peter has probably one of the most clutch hands on the team as a receiver. It's very rare that he drops a pass, right, and so. Someone in a moment like that for a freshman or a true freshman to come out and be able to make a play like that and to make to, to grab it in the end zone when you have a defender or a, and especially a defender's hand in your face. Right, right. That's clutch. That's and you clutch. see, and you see the the other thing on that is for for a true freshman to make that kind of play when your team was desperate. I mean, we sure. we hadn't we hadn't scored yet in the third quarter. Sure. So we were we were desperate for some points. ULM had some momentum. So you, so you know to to look at look at the play and say hey I'm going to be the guy that's going to make this catch you know that's that's huge for a for an 18 year old no doubt now you no know doubt. Jerry I'm I'm glad you 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 kind of harped on the the rivalry thing I want to get your opinion because I've heard a lot of people say that ULM isn't much of a rival why well Because you see the the way the way I was raised, you know, UL Lafayette, UL Monroe, we're the same school, just four hours apart. We're like the little brothers, you know. Like I've I've grown up my entire life. The the two sport the three sports teams that you hate the most are the Atlanta Falcons, the Dallas Cowboys, and the ULM Warhawks. You see, for me, I'm a little bit different there, um, and I guess the reason why is that yes, ULM. You know, they have the abbreviation UL Monroe and we have UL Lafayette or, you know, it's been University of Louisiana and Monroe, University of Louisiana Lafayette. And both schools decided to change the name at the same time uh, under whatever state law or deal that they made, whatever. But um, I will say this, Northeast Louisiana, NLU, which was their abbreviations before right. at the same time when we were USL, they did face each other uh, in the same conference way back when. So they do go the the. I wouldn't say it's. A, I wouldn't. I don't know if it's a rivalry, but the two teams have a history together just as much as the Cajuns do with Louisiana Tech or McNeese. Even though the McNeese rivalry kind of faded away, you know, thirty something years ago, to where uh, I think the one the the one team that's been consistent on the schedule has been ULM. Uh, I think what the misconception of being a rivalry and as well as to me and I don't and it's it's no disrespect to to ULM I've gotten to know a few people there um I've, I've gotten to know the president over there I've met him a few times great guy uh I've gotten to meet the uh, an athletic uh, one of their athletic directors in the past good guy and look they're just trying to make ends meet up there but when you look at the reality if you look at the financials the Cajuns have an athletic budget of a little bit over 30 million okay ULM's is around 15. 15, yeah. Uh, I'm about to say ours so the, is double. So the, so the UL athletic budget doubles what ULM's athletic budget is. And then you look at the project, the $18 million athletic performance center that the Cajuns built, or that UL built a few years, a few years ago behind Cajun Field. 
And then you look at the project that UL Monroe built um, by their stadium, and it's like a third of the size, if not a fourth of the size. And no disrespect. I mean, look, that's a big accomplishment for them to build something like that in their end zone. But you just compare and contrast. You look at the crowd, okay, the attendance at UL games. Yes, UL has struggled with attendance, okay? Here we are complaining. And look, I'm not satisfied with it, but here we are with concerns of 14,000 people going to the game. But UL Last week... Last week, their their beat writer was talking about having only a thousand people at their senior day. Yeah, I mean, you look at they're uh, they're they're the epitome of struggling attendance. You look at the facilities. You look. You compare the Cajun Dome, where the Cajuns play basketball, as opposed to Fant and Coliseum. It's night and day. You look at the baseball stadium. You know, you you look at the Teague at Russo Park compared to ULM's baseball stadium. Night and day. Right. You look at the saw. You look at Lamson Park and softball compared to ULM's softball field. ULM. Uh, their softball program, I think they just added turf, and it's a big accomplishment for them. So you just look at the resources, and you just you just see the comparisons. I, I just – it's hard for me to call them a rivalry because they're really not financially on par athletic from an athletic standpoint with, with UL. They're just not. And it's no disrespect. It's just a fact. Um, right. I, I, it's, it's, and it, I mean, I don't want to be mean. I, I think they're trying. But at the same time, when, you know, here we are talking about 14,000 people or only 14,000 people showing up and they only have a thousand. I mean, that's that's high school numbers right there, you know. And and so for me as a fan, yes, I enjoy facing them. But when 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 you say you're a rival with someone, you're you're also implying that you're on their level. And I'm sorry, but with an athletic budget of over 30 million compared to their 15, they're not on our level. No disrespect, they're just not. Now, we share the same conference, we face each other, but I just find that we just, we're, we're just a little bit ahead of them. And yeah. Now, I think they look at, our, at it as a rival more than we do. I will say that. They do look at it more as a rival, more as a rivalry than we do. See, my, as far as a, rival, a rivalry in state, to me, would be more along the lines of Louisiana Tech. I find that they, I, and, and even though they're in Conference USA and even though we don't play them as much, so, I find that the, the competition is a lot more similar to them because like in baseball, you know, they compete for regionals every year. So do we. In basketball, they've been to the NIT a few times. We were in the NIT two years ago. In football, they've gone to bowl games just about every year. Heck, we've, we're going to our second straight bowl. ULM's been to one bowl game, period. They've so, never been to a bowl so game outside me... of 2012. Like, and I, let me, I'm, 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 just give me one second. Basketball, I can't remember. The, they haven't been to the tournament since the 90s. I don't even remember the last time the ULM went to an NIT. Baseball, they've been to one regional, which was in 2012. First one in a long time as well since they were in the Southland Conference. So to me, I just find that Louisiana Tech would be more of a rival than ULM. And again, no disrespect to ULM, but I just think financially it's just not, it's not an even playing field. I just right. don't think it is. And, and, you know, that that's an excellent point. So that brings me to my next question that I kind of want to ask. Why do you think that we don't play Louisiana Tech that often? What, what, what would you say would be the reason for that? Well, I think part of it is the fact that they're in a different conference. Uh, and, you know, I, not, not to bash Tech, but I do think there's a little bit of arrogance in their part. Um, if you remember in 2008, they were working behind the scenes to make sure the Cajuns didn't get in the Independence Bowl 
because they didn't want to face they didn't want to face us. They wanted to play some some bigger school, which they ended up playing Northern Illinois. And I think it was Derek Dooley that said, "We don't want to play Sun Belt schools." And he was the athletic director and the head coach at the time. So that's one thing. Then you add in 2012 when they go to the Independence Bowl. Well, they refused to go to the Independence Bowl because they found out that ULM was in it. So then they opt out and didn't even go to a bowl that year. They sat out of a bowl because they didn't want to face ULM. And so, you know, that's that's what we're facing here when you're trying to play tech and football. Now, basketball, play them every year. Baseball, play them every year. Softball, play them every year. It's, it's rational. That's a rational thing to do in those sports. In football, I just believe that with the fact that they're in a different conference, you know, they have their schedule, we have ours. Right. Uh, I would love to face them every year. I think... And honestly, I want to face them because we haven't beaten them since Jake DeLome's senior year in 1996. I'm 30 years old. I was seven at the time. It's been 23 years since we've beaten them. And we had our chance in 2014 and 2015, and we laid an egg in both games. Right, but right. I just feel like, to me, uh, playing Louisiana Tech, why we don't play them, I just think it's because they're in a different conference. And honestly, I think they'd rather schedule somebody else, which, you know what? We have our schedule. They have theirs. If they don't want to play us, that's... It's not our problem. Right. No, absolutely. You know, and back, we'll get back to the scoring summary quickly and wrap it up. You know, Jared Porter knocked in a 23-yard field goal right there at the end of the third to make it 28-24 Louisiana. And then about halfway through the fourth, ULM gets a 99-yard drive of their own. Eight plays, 99 yards. Austin Vaughn runs it in from 11 yards out. They missed the extra point. So it's now a 30-28 to lead for Monroe. And you know, as a as a as a fan that was there, oh man, I'll I'll give you I'll give you my thoughts on in that moment in a second. But from a fan that was there, what did you think when ULM went up two with about seven minutes left in the game? They had the momentum. They had the momentum. They had more to play for, and I felt dejected. I felt you know here that CDS was creeping in. Um, I was nervous. I mean, I was upstairs. And a buddy of mine who I work with, we're sitting there, and he kept looking at me going, dude, this is not good. This is not good. They have the momentum. Uh, I was not happy about it, um, and I was a little concerned. I was a little concerned because, again, they're playing. Here they are playing for bowl eligibility. They're playing to keep their season going. We had already clinched, and that's another thing I want to bring up. Uh, after we'll, after the highlights, I'll bring this up, but I felt like they had more to play for at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just I was not happy because we had pretty much led the entire game outside of them playing catch up and tying the game a few times. Well, yeah, no, that was that was their first lead of the game. Exactly, and what worse time for that to happen than like with a few minutes left to go in the game, right? Right. Um, yeah. So, and and it was after the fact that we could have put it away a few times and didn't. So yeah, they had the momentum, and I was not happy. And I, you can feel you can feel the dejection. In the crowd, everybody's just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is not happening right now. Right. And, you know, the, after that, the Cajuns responded. They kind of milked the clock a little bit, which was, in my opinion, the smart thing to do. They took 635 off the clock, 15 plays, 62 yards, and Stevie Arteague nails a 27-yard field goal to give the Cajuns a one-point lead. And, you know, Jerry, I'll tell you what I was thinking in that moment. They have too much time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. 80 seconds. Was, I think they had two timeouts. Like, they, they had way too much time to to put something together, especially only needing a field goal to win the game. Yeah, 
Exactly. Um, and, you know, they, they get down the field. They line up for that field goal. And then, you know, obviously I wasn't there, so I didn't see it. I'll ask you what happened. What's up with the cheerleader? So, from where I saw it, um, they were lining up for a field goal, and all of a sudden the ref called – I don't know if the ref called a timeout or what, but, like, I just saw the line judge <clears> – <throat> excuse me – go up to the cheerleader it looks like he was telling him something like i just it looked like he was just kind of having a casual talk with him or something for like a good five to ten seconds and before you know it the the cheerleader basically just starts running towards the tunnel and up the tunnel and they continued the game and i'm like i'm just thinking like okay what was that about and i didn't notice i didn't know that after he he <laughs> the cheerleader was ejected yeah i i kept reading on twitter that a, a cheer a male cheerleader had been escorted out of the the stadium, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, um, exactly. And then I, I read, I read somewhere today that apparently the cheerleader and ULM's kicker got into like a physical altercation. Uh, I guess I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just I blindly read a read a tweet about it. I'd have to look a little more into it. But regardless, people are calling him the most valuable cheerleader because people believe that he is the reason that Jared Porter missed the field goal as time expired. Possibly. I mean, you know, the, the, the head case for, for a kicker is, is huge. So, you know, getting, getting into the kicker's head like that and then Billy Napier calling, was it three straight timeouts or two straight timeouts? Yeah, yeah, he called two straight. He called two straight. Um, you know that that really puts a puts a thing on the on the kicker. So you know he hooked it left. Cajuns win on a missed field goal for the second consecutive year, and they reach ten wins for the first time in program history. ULM season comes to an end at five and seven. We'll get to some high some stats real quick for Louisiana. Levi Lewis was fifteen of twenty three, two hundred and seventy yards and three touchdowns. Quarterback rating of 91.6. Rushing the ball, Raymond Kale, 8 carries, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Elijah Mitchell, 19 carries, 102 yards. He eclipsed over 1,000 yards for the season. And looking at the receiving numbers, Jamarcus Bradley was the leading receiver. Obviously, 4 catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown. His longest catch was 74 yards. Jamal Bell had that one catch for 36 yards and a touchdown. I know he exited the game with an injury. Um, hope hope good news comes out of that tomorrow in the press conference. Peter LeBlanc, three catches, 30 yards in that touchdown. Good game for the freshman. And then, you know, one, one stat line I really want to talk about is Jared Jackson. You know, on, on his senior day, big, big general, uh, as, as he likes to refer to himself, bam, you know, 16 and a half yards a catch. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? And on top of that, he can never make a catch that looks easy. It's always No, it's always play. difficult. ESPN top 10 play reception. Absolutely. Like, it's always never, a it's difficult never a catch. Simple, never a simple little, you know, five yard out or a little, uh, little screen. No, no. He's got to stretch out, tiptoe, you know, with a tiptoe out or whatever. Right, just, right. It's always a highlight to his receptions, which makes him valuable, right? And he's, he's very valuable. So, uh, <laughs> Bam can't make it look easy. It's always like, uh, 
good a good highlight to his catches. Every time he th- every time Levi throws it in his direction, I'm just like I'm just waiting for a highlight. And you know, know I'm gonna say this, and you heard it here first. Bam Jackson might be a steal in the NFL. Sleeper for sure. Yeah, I think I think he could be a steal for somebody in the NFL draft, yeah. or or even as as an undrafted. I mean his his intangibles, his work ethic, his leadership ability. I mean he's just he's the guy you want in the locker room. Sure. So sure. you know if if there's any NFL scouts listening out there, Jared Jackson. Don't forget it, because he's. <laughs> I mean I just the the kid deserves a chance, man. Well, he's a good team player, man. Uh, I've gotten to meet him a few times. Good guy. Uh, he's he's um, he's a good presence in that locker room. A great leader. So. I mean, I mean, hell, still to this day, two of my favorite interviews that I've ever done for this podcast were Bam and Deuce at Sunbelt Media Day. Very happy for Deuce as well, man. What a way to go out um, at home. He, he was able to get some plates on, made some key plays. Yeah. He made a few tackles as well, um, but very happy for Deuce and, and the way to me you want to talk about a feel good story it's it's Deuce um, I think he was signed as a running back came on I think he came in as yep. a walk on yeah he and did he, he now I mean he's become a valuable asset to that defense and not you know, only on the, the field the, but the thing league. the thing I love about Deuce is he's not the player that's going to pad the stat sheet but no. he he does the little things that aren't going to get him on the stat sheet but make they make a big difference you know, down the stretch of a ball game. Sure. Because, um, I mean, I'm looking at the defensive stats right here. Deuce only had three tackles last night. But the the style of – the play style that he plays, you know, it, it, it's more about, you know, getting getting pressure on the quarterback, you know, shutting down their leading receiver from not catching the ball on that play, you know, what, whatever it may be. Which, you know, again, like I said, doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but it makes a big difference – down the down the stretch of a ball game, so you know, happy for Deuce to continue the the family legacy. Obviously, everybody knows about about Donnie. Of course. Um. So you know that's fantastic. But another senior I want to talk about while we're talking about the defense. How about Jacques Boudreaux? Now you want to see somebody who's come full circle since last year. Twelve he, tackles, he's man. Everywhere. He's everywhere. Um, Twelve tackles. Oh, after hey, look, he's everywhere, and we're gonna need him next weekend in the bowl game. So, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And you know, another another big game defensively, Lorenzo McCaskill. He had ten tackles as well. And you know, I know he got hurt right there at the end of the game, and it didn't look good. No, I didn't get I didn't get to see it, but I'd heard. Um, uh, we don't need that right now. That is definitely something that is not. Not what we need at this moment going into a going into such a tough game next week. Right, and you know we'll we'll look at ULM's stats real quick, and then uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. Caleb Evans, twenty-two of thirty-seven, three hundred thirty yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Josh Johnson, thirteen carries, one hundred nine yards. Actually, with one hundred nine yards last night, he eclipsed thirteen hundred rushing yards for the season. Um, so you know, just phenomenal numbers there from the from the ULM running back. Caleb Evans added seventy seven yards on the ground and a touchdown. Evans by himself had four hundred yards of total offense. 
Not surprised. And you know what? I'm not going to miss him. No. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I'm he, not going to miss him. He can go. And, he, and look, he it's, can a, it's go. a compliment. It's a compliment Oh, it, it, it's the it's and, the utmost of compliments. And the presence that he brings to that offense. I mean, look, if he's he's pretty much that offense. Um, yeah. And he's, he's quick on his feet. He makes good throws. He can run. He's a perfect dual-threat quarterback. Uh Kind of wish I could have seen him in a Cajuns uniform at one time. Right. Um, but you know, look, we got we got our own guy, Levi. Levi, yeah. had, you know, Levi's come around and, and yeah. Talk, so, talk about another guy that's come full circle this year. Levi. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and again, he's not flashing, but he's a field general. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with field generals because absolutely. field generals control. They control the tempo of the offense. And the players want to play around him. He's I mean, a leader. Let's, let's be honest. The three greatest quarterbacks in football history have all been field generals. There you go. Manning, Breeze, Brady. There you go. They've never don't been flashy. Be, don't have to be flashy. Just get the ball to the receiver. Absolutely. Get and that's one thing he's done. And speaking of receivers, Josh Peterson, six catches, 92 yards, and a score for Monroe. Jonathan Hodo, five catches. 69 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, I'll compliment the the Cajuns' defense. You know, Marquise McCray coming into this game was was the receiving target that a lot of people were talking about this year. He's had an outstanding year. Cajuns held him to four catches for 34 yards. Wow, that's actually really good. That's, a, that's very impressive. So, you know, compliments to the, to the secondary there. And, you know, talking about defensive stats like we were earlier, Chase Day and Cortez Cisco Jr., were huge for Monroe last night. Day had 14 tackles. Cisco had 12 tackles with a sack. Um, you know, big big numbers there from from those guys. Cajuns, com- I mean, Monroe combined had 77 tackles last night. It showed, and like I said, that's why I thought their defense did a decent job containing this high-powered offense. Um, and really, they I, look, I understand the Cajuns got over 200 yards in rushing. But it wasn't, or I they got 252 yards. I'm sorry, 252. But it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't any outside of Raymond Colley's long run. There really weren't many big runs that the Cajuns had that we're used to. Right. And that, that's that's a credit to ULM's rush defense. They did a good job containing. They stuffed the run a few times, especially at crucial times towards the end of the game. And that got me worried even more because we couldn't really run the ball uh, as well as I thought we could. Um, but. Uh, that, that's just a compliment to ULM's defense. They did a great job containing our rush, rushing attack. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one, one stat that's kind of glaring in the team statistic is Louisiana's third down efficiency. The Cajuns were three for 14 on Ooh. on third downs last night. Um, Can't do that next def- week. Definitely something that's going to have to improve before, before the seventh. Uh, you know, Cajuns didn't have any turnovers last night. They did force one. Uh, that that interception by Braylon Traha. So you know, Cajuns won the turnover margin, which is obviously one of the keys to to victory in just about every game you play. And uh, Cajuns improved to ten and two, seven and one in the Sun Belt. Like I said, ULM season ends at five and seven, and four and four in the Sun Belt Conference. Obviously, next week is the the Big Daddy, so the Sun Belt Conference Championship game in Boone. Between us and App State, you know the 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 first game. I, I don't know if you want to call it a letdown, but 
it was it was a little disappointing, considering you know what what was what was said of the Cajuns for that performance. Jerry, what what are your what are your early initial thoughts going into that one? Um. Well, and I don't want to be a pessimist when I say this. I, I don't think you can play like you did the other night against ULM and expect to beat App State and Boone for a championship. Uh, I think this team is going to have to improve this week. Have a good week of practice. Heal up. I know we have a few injuries on the defensive side. Um, look, App State's clicking. They dominated Troy on the road the other night. Uh, they dominated. Well, they, I wouldn't say they dominated Texas State the week before, but they took care of business. They dominated Georgia State the week before that. So they're clicking right now. They're scoring points uh, like we expected them to, and they have a, a really good defense. Um, the good news is we've seen them before. So this coaching staff will definitely have some film. They'll definitely uh, be able to evaluate um, some scheme, their scheming going into this game that they might have seen the first time around or might not have done as well the first time around with. Um, so that's the good thing. We've seen them already. Uh, the question is, can we go to Boone, um, a place that is pretty tough to win at, uh, in, in the type of weather that we might not be used to, and horsed up that Sunbelt Conference Championship trophy at the end of the game. Right. Uh, I think this team is good enough to do it. Uh, I think we have the talent to do it. But I do think we did get a little bit banged up on the defensive side. And, you know, Robert Hunt's going to have to play on offense. He's going to have to play. Which which I, I think he is, um, from what I heard. The only reason he didn't play yesterday is because he really didn't have anything to play for. And, you know, I, th- th- and that's okay. That's the point I want to bring up. Um, and I said that about 10 minutes ago when we were talking about the highlights. Look, going into this game, uh, we already knew Friday night we were going to Boone for the championship, okay? We had already clinched the West last week, uh, and ULM, five and six goals. They're, I mean, it isn't fun. I mean, they, they win that game, they got a shot at a bowl. So they win, they have a chance to go to a bowl, and their season continues. For them, it was do or die. For us, it was more of, Let's just stay healthy and try to get the win and get ready for App State next week. And so the circumstances, and I'm not making this as an saying this as an excuse for why the game was so close, but the circumstances was they were a little different for both teams. Now, granted, look, we were playing for the tenth win and the school record. I get that, but at the same time, as ten games is, and as great as that tenth win was, it wasn't like the season was going to end with a loss. Does that make sense? Right. Like we already knew going into this game that we were going to Boone next week. We already knew that the game was going to be a Boone. Yeah, the, the, only thing, know, I, the only thing you were playing for was 10 wins. Which is still a big deal. I mean, it's something that this school, is, this, this football program has never done before, which was awesome. It was great to be there to see it. I mean, like I said, uh, and I, I, I want to give a shout-out to Jay Walker. He wrote an article this morning about, uh, what was the title of it? Uh, uh, putting putting 10 wins in perspective. Putting 10 wins in perspective and, and smoke them while you got them or something smoke like that. Smoke them if you got them. Smoke them if you got them. Look, he brings up a good point in his article. Uh, about from 1997 to 2001, the Cajuns won a total of nine games. Yep. I mean, that's what, 97, 98, That's five, five years. seasons. Five years for with a combined total of nine wins. Meanwhile, in one year, the Cajuns have won 10 games. Right. So – then that's what I'm talking about when I say going way back to those times. Look, I grew up a Cajuns fan during those times. I remember, you know, going to the game against North Alabama and losing in four overtimes. I remember 
being on the sideline with my dad when Northwestern State won, won by two points on a fade route with six seconds to go. I remember watching the Cajuns lose in the rain to a Jacksonville State team that really wasn't that good, lose to them by two touchdowns in front of like 3,000 Cajun fans. I remember those days, man. They weren't fun. Um, but for them to do what they did this season and what Coach Napier and his staff have done, I can't reiterate it enough. Um, this is definitely a good time to be a Cajuns fan. Uh, it's definitely a great time to just revel in the success that they've been able to have these past few years. And I just keep going back to those days because this program has come such a long way. I mean, light years, light years. Um, I remember standing with a few people on the sidelines with my dad back in like 2000 and people were having discussions of it's only a matter of time before the Cajuns drop back to, to one double a and start playing, you know, Southland schools again. He was like, Oh, we might as well. Let's compete against Sam Houston state and McNeese because they'll sell, you know, you, you don't have to put as much money into the program and you can, you have a chance to win more games. And I mean, that's, that's how low it got. I mean, it wasn't fun and we stuck with him. And then in comes coach Bustle. He, he gave us a sense of pride back into our program. He turned us into some – he gave us a little bit of relevancy. And then from Coach Bustle, Coach Hud showed us what it was like to actually win and sustain success for a little while. And now Billy Napier is showing us what it's like to be ranked right outside the top 25 and maybe have a chance to compete for a New Year's Day Six Bowl, which I think is coming. Right. I think that, you know, we're not far away from it. So to the fans out there especially those who sat through the dark ages because i tell you man they were some dark ages um just enjoy it just enjoy it i mean i i am um i'm sort of in awe of of the success that this team has had this year because i keep going back to those days but it makes you really appreciate um being a fan right you know there's so many bandwagon fans out there and i'm not going to say any particular team because they're everywhere where they just support teams when they win Man, sitting, you know, and people say, well, you know, oh, they won 10 games, but they didn't win a championship, so I'm not happy. Look, I'm not here to say it's not okay to strive. Rome wasn't built in a day, people. But exactly. Rome wasn't built in a day. And for me, look, I want this championship just like just as much as anybody else, just as much as anyone in that locker room. Uh, But in the meantime, going into Saturday against App State, I'm going to enjoy this win from last night. I'm going to enjoy winning going 10 and 2 something that this school has never done before um and i and i ask all cajun fans to enjoy it too and come wednesday thursday when it's time to get really really get ready for app state we'll be ready because i think this team will be ready but man it is it is a great time to be a raging cajuns fan for those fans that were there i say thank you for being in the game being loud not sitting in your seat just getting into it uh and to those of you who didn't who weren't there who didn't want to go or you know, just don't care. Man, you're missing out. You're missing out. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, 31-30 final score, UL over ULM. And, you know, Jerry, before we get out of here, we're going to do a contest for the for the first time in a Raging Cajun Army episode. Nice. I have I have this wooden magnetic beer bottle opener that was made by my dad, and it's stained, it's dark-stained, um, all wood, and on it is wood burned, the fleur de lis, and it says Alon's Cajuns. Alon's Cajuns, I like it. And then it has the Raging Cajun Army Twitter handle over there in the bottom right corner. 
Uh, I'll post a I'll post a picture on the Facebook and Twitter page. So here's the contest. We're gonna we're gonna keep it to Twitter for this one. Um, the, basically the contest all it's gonna be is follow the page, like and retweet the tweet that I'm gonna post with these rules, and then if you're a new follower, go ahead and comment on that tweet. Who told you about the podcast? Uh, I'm gonna run this for about two weeks. So we'll have until December 16th. And at the end of the contest, whoever sent us the most followers, the most new followers, will get the bottle opener. You know, easy as that. Like I said, I'll post pictures and the rules over on the Twitter page. So go ahead and check that out at Rage and Cajun Army. And, you know, another big announcement we have this week, we'll be recording our preview for the Sunbelt Championship game with the Black and Gold podcast, the the fan podcast from App State. They've they've agreed to to come on and spend some time with us. We'll we'll do a breakdown of the game with them and uh probably poke a little fun. Probably <laughs> probably talk some trash. Um it, it it's to. bound to happen. Like like Josh always to. like Josh always says, you know, <laughs> hating sports is needed. Well, apparently we gave them bulletin board material for game number one. I mean, it's our fault that they beat us, remember, because we gave them too much information for them to get motivated. Of course. Always our fault. <laughs> Always our fault. Um, well, so, yeah, those... I'll say this. After the first game uh, that we faced them in October, I'm, you're not going to hear me say anything too crazy. I promise you that. No, no. We, we, we won't get crazy, but, you know, we're, we're definitely going to gonna stand up for what we believe. Um, I... I yeah. I thought that the Cajuns were the better team going into that game, and I still think they're the better team. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, and there's nothing wrong with with, with, with believing that. Um, and not not take, discrediting not discrediting what App State has done. I mean, they're number twenty in the country. Absolutely, I'm, I'm not going to discredit that. And they've beaten two P five schools. Right, I'm totally not discrediting what they've done this year, but. On paper, you, you can look at the stat comparison on ESPN. Our, our numbers are almost dead even. They're very similar, correct. I truly think that we have the slight upper hand against this team. Well, we're going we're gonna to find out on Saturday. And, I mean, it, it, it all comes down to how we play. What, what, what UL team is going to show up? Is it the one that played Troy or is it the one that played ULM in South Alabama? Well, here's the thing. I want to win because not only do I want to win a championship, I want to go to New Orleans. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> you know, in, in the in the next episode, I think we're going to New Orleans either way, but we'll get into that. You know, uh, on the on the preview, Jerry. Anything else before we wrap this one up? No, not really. I uh, just want to say real quickly uh, a shout out to the football team, to the seniors, uh, to the coaching staff. Um, you know, it's the regular the regular season's over with. Now we've got the the conference championship and the bowl game. And I just want to say congratulations to coach Billy Napier, his staff and this entire team. Uh, it's been a fun ride this season. And, um, you know, my prediction, I think I predicted something like eight and four going into the yeah. year. And they, uh, they, they, they have surpassed that. They proved me wrong by two games. And, right. uh, you know, I, I've been enjoying doing these podcasts, these recaps and previews with you, Matt, as well as Josh. And, um, you know, it's crazy because in the past, um, we <laughs> at this time of year we're wrapping it up, right? I mean, right. whether or not I mean, as a kid, you know, like I said, going two and nine or one and ten, there's really not much to talk about going into the off season. 
other than you know can we just at least win a game <laughs> for yeah, once no definitely uh, but now we're, we're talking about you know getting in the top 25 and being sort of the surprise g5 team of college football and and having a chance to win our first outright conference championship since 1970 it's been 49 years since we won an outright conference title so um just very happy it's a great time to be a cajuns fan great time to be a football fan in south louisiana man so much success all over uh, i think tulane's bowl eligible lsu's mm-hmm. number one cajuns are 10 and 2 tech is going to a bowl as well um nichols so nichols is nichols, in the second round of the fcs yeah, playoffs nichols and southeastern yeah. congratulations to coach rebo man turning that program around in a few years third straight year in a row going to the playoffs and you know i know um there was a little bit of uh, not controversy, but there was a little bit of uh, uh, what's the word? Um, you know what? I'm not even, even going to say it. But look, congratulations to Coach Mark Hutspeth as well at Austin P. Yeah, I believe they won their first their first playoff, playoff game, game ever against Furman, Coach Napier's former team. Right. <laughs> uh, what what well what are the odds? Yeah, job well done to Coach Hud. Best of luck to them. Best of luck to Nichols as well as Southeastern in the playoffs. I know they their games aren't getting going to get much easier. No, um, Nichols goes uh, to North Dakota State, and then I think Southeastern plays Montana. So right, and then uh, Austin P plays Sacramento State on the road as well. But best of luck to those teams. I love to see all them uh, all those guys, uh, teams uh, advance. Absolutely. But, but uh, yeah, line man, line up, go Colonels, go Govs, all of it. Yeah. No doubt about cheering, it. And, cheering uh, for all of them. Yes, we will be. and uh, But most of all, go Cajuns. Yeah, def- definitely go Cajuns. All right, guys, we'll, we'll be back in a couple days with the, with the App State preview. Until then, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Raging Cajun Army. And as always, go Cajuns.